The Tuffle Commute, Season 12, Episode 1, in which Sean and Lindsay attempt to get back to business as usual with their podcast. Let's get started. Welcome, everybody, to the Temple Commute. I'm your host, Lindsay, and I'm joined by my co-hosts. Hi, I'm Sean. Go and, on, Lindsay, go for it. Go on, go yes. for it. The Temple Commute, is, go on. The Temple Commute is a podcast for language teachers. It's not about language teaching, but the topic always seems to come up. That's because Sean and I are both language teachers, teacher trainers, writers, uh, in turn, and uh, interested in all things language teaching. Have I got that right, Sean? Yeah, I'm more impressed by the fact you managed the tagline after this all all this time. It's a long I, while since we've recorded a Temple Commute, isn't it? Yes, you might try. You might say we're almost getting back to normal. Yay! Ha Very good. Did you like that segue? I I did. I did. Uh, he's he's groaning already. We are back yes. to normal, but, but you, I should be the one groaning. Yeah, uh, I was say, I'm, I'm going to bring up loads of jokes now just to get you just to get the groans and get back to that uh, yeah. normality that we talked about. Yeah. Uh, anyway, in every in every episode of the Tuffle Commute, we take a topic or a word um, and we explore different aspects of that word. And uh, for our first episode in the new season here, we have taken the word normal. Yes. And I think if, if when you say, the, when, uh, as we research these uh, episodes, when I, when I put normal into Google, one of the things that I saw was this quote, which is, everything old is new again, including normality. I know. I think that's going to come up a couple of times in our thing. And I, and um, I think, but it's quite profound. And it, is it quite true? Is, so is the normal we're now in the old or is it is new it, again or is it uh, I, you know, see, oh, uh, is, is, is is time a flat circle or are we going round and round hmm interesting well, well, we know that the earth is flat along the back of a turtle so don't <laughs> yes. even argue with that one Lindsay. well normal yeah. as a word i did a little research on the word normal itself so i mean you know the d- dictionary definitions and so on but i was interested in in idioms um and i couldn't find lots of really good idioms. I mean, there were things like uh, collocations, like something is perfectly normal, a return to normal. Um, also, the, the phrase, is it normal to do or be? Like, is it normal, uh, you know, to feel sick after whatever? Da, da, da. Is it you're supposed to say feel sick? <laughs> oh, gosh, yeah, sorry. Um, another <laughs> one is uh, to be your normal self or get back to your normal self. So often normal seems to be like collocating with things like questioning normal or getting back to normal, returning to normal. Um, But if you look at uh, uh, synonyms of normal, you get things like common, um, which has several more interesting idioms, things like common sense, as common as muck. I always like that one. Um, uh, Things like standard as well as another normal word has some really cool idioms like bog standard. Um, And then the funny one, another synonym for normal, which is typical, um, had a great had a great collocation, which I always think is very British, but, and I've heard you say it a lot of times, uh, Sean, what, what's the collocation with uh, typical? Uh, bloody? Yes, indeed, bloody typical. But you wouldn't but say something bloody typical blood- of Lindsay. <laughs> yes, exactly. You wouldn't say it's bloody normal, although that kind of sounds funny, actually, as well. Yeah, I guess it does. It's funny how those words are. I, I, um, I, I, I 
looking at those looking at all those different words and the way it was like common and regular and and those kind of things i did look at it well none of those words actually apply to teaching anyway do they i mean we don't we don't we don't have kind of normal jobs and i don't mean that in a bad way i'm thinking from the i always think obviously with my private language school background you know the, in the in the typical pls my normal timetable i mean if you, my normal timetable was working late at night and early in the morning i mean that yes i.e I. when other people are not working exactly yes, lunch times yeah. and, and and things like that yeah i mean yeah it's interesting to think of whether or not teaching is a normal job if you take the definition of conforming to a standard or regular pattern yeah exactly so some teachers I, it is if you're teaching in the in your regular school system um it would be yeah no? Yeah, but I, mean, I guess, yeah, a normal job, but it's, it, it's yeah, it, I, yeah, it, there's, I think there's less regularity about teaching even in a, even in the, even in the state sector like that than, than we might imagine, especially now, of course, yeah, where yeah. who knows what's happening, which but of kind of brings I, us to why we're talking about the episode, yeah? Exactly, because one of the other new uh, collocations that's been bandied about a lot recently is, of course, the new normal. So normal is now collocating with with new new. Yeah, and um, uh, are, are you are you a fan of the new normal? I mean, I don't mean the situation we're in. I mean the question normal because it, <laughs> oh, it mean, drives do I me like... crazy. Well, yeah, I think it's it, kind it, of is it is um it is uh becoming sort of that overused, isn't it? I mean, yeah. the new normal to me is becoming like the new. 21st century X, right? Like 21st century teachers, 21st yeah, century. Yeah, that's right. Now, we when now I, have uh, new normal lessons, new normal teachers. New I think normal that's schools. that's um, uh, one of the one of the things I put in the show notes is has he become a trope? And I, re- I actually recall from you when you used to do the six six, six things blog. Was that what it was yeah, called? That's right. Uh, yeah. And you were talking about 21st century skills becoming a trope uh, with it. But yeah. I do have to pick you up. Our, our new normal isn't new. <laughs> it's it isn't not a new, new. It's not a new collocation. So <laughs> wait, wait, wait. It goes back to it goes back to when to the to yeah. the first uh, epidemic, uh, SARS uh, epidem- epidemic, epidemic, uh, or, or yeah. older. Uh, everything. Uh, you remember everything old is new again, um, yeah. including normality. Well, actually, if you if you look up um, the new normal, you can trace it back. And and James and I slightly disagree on this, but somewhere post World War One, around 1918-1921 was its first wow. use. And what was it being referred to? Just the new like like in the states and in 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 europe or was it a, a british thing was it an american thing does it um i don't about- want to go too deeply into what it means because i don't want to spoil uh, a, a future segment of the podcast but um <laughs> um it was it, it, it was used back in the first one well, the first sign i saw it was actually in some christian writing uh, uh, uh referring to the new normal in the post-war state ah, uh, for it. okay but so um uh, but it, but it actually and i've forgotten about this uh but you'll find if we move back to more modern um more current times it was used a lot during um during uh or post 911 uh, and i don't recall that at all uh, oh wow no those. i don't remember that i i, yeah, I do remember 911 but i don't remember the new normal yeah post- so there's kind of one of those phrases that, that came up and there was an article i found about a year after that um um, which suggested, or which, which linked to all these uses in literature of of um, post nine one one situation. This is the new normal we live in. You know, describing the idea of you think of, if you then start thinking about the changes that were made to say flying, and what yeah, we had to do at airports, that well. became the new normal. And it kind of made sense, but it was, I kind of blanked it out. Interestingly, so the, go on. 
well, so I was going to just put a bow on all of this because it is really, we're coming back to your opening quote that everything old is new again, including normality. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And it, it is, um, it's, yeah, I do find it interesting that um, I think the two things that, that strike me, was, we, this new normal phrase is now set, it seems to have been set for this year, one of the new pieces right. of language uh, with it. But yeah, you actually, just know you, it's going to be like a 2020 word of the year yeah, from But, but it's actually already dying in the sense that Google Trends, you know, when you put something into Google yeah. Trends and see when people, it, it actually, the term peaked on May the 24th, apparently worldwide. So, oh, wow. Um, okay. So it's probably. I mean, I, I also think out. it's it, it may be hard for it to become as much of a uh, kind of become commercialized as much of a trope as as 21st century learners, which you can ascribe a whole bunch of things to, or 21st century this or 21st century that. Can you going to ascribe a whole bunch of stuff, including very positive things yes. and kind of interesting, exciting things? The new normal will always have right now have that baggage of the pandemic sort of looming behind it. So it's not exactly something like, oh wow, cool! I can't wait to to try the new normal. Yeah, uh, but I also, I, one of the things that strikes me, and I think is a contrast to to what I talked about uh, uh, with 9-11, is kind of 9-11, if we go back to the air, airport example, the new normal, it, it became the normal. You know, what we do yeah. at the airports is, yeah. is still what we do at the airports. But, I mean, and it, there is, in a sense, no new normal in the UK because things change every every yeah. week. So mm -hmm. there, there's this, this idea, if we go back to what you defined as, as uh, uh, as regular, I mean, you, yeah. one of the idioms could be regular as clockwork. With that, for example, or conforming to a, a standard, there isn't a regular type or even a regular pattern yet being uh, uh, emerging because because and I'm, I'm sure it's the same in, in it Spain. It might not be a regular pattern, but maybe you would say that things are bloody typical. Yeah, they're perhaps, perhaps <laughs> are bloody typical. I got one more thing on it as okay. well. You 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 talked about language with um you talked about the language of idioms and stuff with it. I again because I, I was on Google, I really like you know the Google autofill when you search? Yes, yes. So if you put in if you uh, actually put uh in what is a normal uh, and yes. pretty much everything that comes up is medical after it. All right. What so is for new, example, what is, what is a normal heart rate? What is a what is a normal blood pressure? What is a what normal, is a normal body temperature? Weight? Yeah. What is, okay. Yes. Yeah. It's quite interesting that 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 that, that particular collocation ends with uh, with something that is uh, medical in a sense. <sighs> it's nice to be back, isn't it? It, it is normal. nice to be back. <laughs> well, why don't we? Why don't we? Before we go on to the next part, where I think we we want to talk a little bit about what the new normal is in language classrooms, what might be new uh, and what might be on the way out or not normal anymore to do. Before we do that, shall we have um, a little break here? Go on then. It seems like we're having a bit of a shake-up around here and normally long-time listeners will know that I'm your jargon buster. But after 11 seasons and 81 episodes, the jargon buster is gone and has been replaced by the word master. So that means new music and a new classier tone, I'm sure you agree. In this feature, I'll be looking at the history behind the theme of our episode. So today, that's normal. The word normal has meant typical and common since around 1500 and has its roots in the Latin normalis, meaning conforming to the rules. There's also the possibility it comes from the Greek nomon, meaning carpenter's square, the tool they use for measuring. 
But as a noun, as in the new normal, well, this form has only been around since about 1890. Another word that has the same derivation is enormous from around 1530, which originally meant abnormal, but very quickly became to mean extraordinary in size within just a handful of years. It wasn't until the 1940s that this word was squashed into a portmanteau with gigantic to become ginormous. Other normal words include normally from the 1590s, normality from 1833, normalize from 1848, normalcy from 1857, subnormal from 1875, normative from 1880, and paranormal from 1905. The 19th century was certainly a good time to play around with the word normal. Maybe the most obscure member of this word family is norepinephrine, a type of neurotransmitter that I am in no way qualified to explain, but literally means normally structured molecule on a kidney. Words that you might expect to share these roots but don't are the names Norman and Norma. The male version literally means a man from Normandy in northern France, and this place takes its name from the same derivation as Norse, simply meaning the people of the north in the Norse language. Or it simply means someone from the north, depending on where the name comes from. Norma is the female version of Norman, or it may refer back to that carpenter's square I mentioned earlier which was called Norma in Latin. That concludes the first issue of The Wordmaster on a word that I'm sure you agree is anything but ordinary. See you next time. Ah, so uh, that little dropping, is that part of our new normal for this podcast? That is part of our new normal. We've decided that this season of the Tuffle Commute, uh, we always like having what we call our drop-ins, sort of little extra segments. And one of our segments will be that very one of sort of the origins of words, with, of course, producer James uh, delivering the goods in his esteemed way. So um 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 it, it, it obviously it's interesting and um, well, let's see what else we we do. It's exciting to see what else might come up in this podcast. So when we talk about the new normal, of course, as we do, we wanted to apply it to teaching, and we got this idea of uh, as we've already talked about, is teaching a normal normal job, as we talked about in part one. But you, then you've got the idea of uh, like a normal classroom, or flipping that round a bit, what are the classroom norms? Um, and it would seem in this new normal, wouldn't it, Lindsay, that the classroom norms are uh, changing a little bit? That, that... Well, well, yeah. I mean, I think if we're looking at the face-to-face classroom, because of all the kinds of teaching and learning um, interactions, you'd probably say that language learning is the one that is more, perhaps more difficult than many others, except perhaps for like drama or theater classes or music lessons like singing, for it to sort of adapt easily to the new normal of face masks and socially distancing. In the language classroom, you want to get everybody talking. Uh, There's often, it can get quite loud. You put people into pairs and groups. Um, You get people to mingle around and stand quite close to each other. There's a whole bunch of kinds of activities that are part of um, 
what we may have considered a normal communicative language classroom that just are not as easy, if indeed even possible, in the new normal. I mentioned a couple. Do you want to mention some other things that you can think off the top of your head that well, yeah, will be hard? If you start or... to think about it, there's so much. I mean, you went to the you went to the idea of the of the of the physical classroom in which there were many many students uh, uh, for it. I just even think of going back. Um, one of the things that I find most interesting in taking out of uh, ELT a little bit is is just the the whole um, procedure now of taking my son to school yeah. um, that. The, the new the the normal on that and the one-way systems and how they're supposed to be and and all uh, uh, um, with it is is so even even this kind of the normal behavior of how to go in and out of school has changed if we talk about the physical classroom and then you've got um you, you know the you've got the idea on top of that that you might see the students um maybe one day a week physically and then uh, and then, then online and then on top of that you've got Perhaps the, for some teachers, this new normal classroom of some of the teachers present in a in the classroom, in the physical classroom, but at the same time, people present online. So this kind of hybrid uh, with it. So it's uh, so what we what you described as our norms, the pair work, group work, have become completely uh, completely different. Uh, oh yeah, don't they? It's, I mean, uh, I haven't seen yet because I've been doing most of my teaching and observation of teaching and stuff online. So I see how we're all trying to do that kind of stuff in Zoom rooms and in breakout rooms. But in a face-to-face -face classroom, I haven't actually seen yet. And I'd be really curious to how that's all going to play out. I mean, let's take, as I just said, you know, a mingle, a find someone who... <laughs> I find someone who in a really big classroom it becomes like a super spreader event. So obviously yeah, that's not exactly. gonna, that's not gonna happen. I, I'm, you know, like, I mean, I'm like you. I'm not. I'm not back. I, I'm going back face to face at university in two weeks' time. But I'm already already looking at kind of the the my notes. Um, on the module that I teach, thinking, oh my gosh, we did this as a group activity. We did this as I know. Pair. I know. I remember. What about what about the things where we'd have like the shouting dictation, where you yeah, line up well, all the students and so they're like less than a meter apart, and they have to shout with all those particles coming out of their mouth at the other person, <laughs> or even just or even just pronunciation exercises like drills. Like, no, say it louder, and you get right up close. You know, I want to hear you say the t or whatever it is. But in some, you're right about the shouting dictation. But if you've got the space, I mean, uh, and I, I um, then shouting dictation is one way around. It's well, actually quite you, a good you know, activity. <laughs> well, you, well, you can be doing it through the masks as well. I mean, it would have the same effect, right? If you want to yes, yes, yeah, yeah. have a little bit of a, a, an, an impediment to to, to hearing something properly, so you have to really enunciate. Well, no, the, the couple of a uh, couple of uh, uh, things I've been reading about it, talking about the idea of actually um, the masks and the distance um, makes it more important to teach the language of repair, which is something we often over overlook. Yeah. Sorry, what did you say? Can you can you say that again? Those yeah. kind of things, which is actually really useful uh, language to teach. So indeed, I have a friend who d who does a lot of pronunciation classes, and there. They're about to start school again, and they're sort of wondering how are they going to do all their, you know, because so much of they, what they do is sort of like, you know, look at how my lips are moving. Here, listen to these plosive sounds as the air comes out of my mouth. It's sort of like, I guess that's not going to be quite as easy now.
Yeah, one of the things I mean, one of the things I teach is uh, are partly the soft skills of presentation in that as well. I mean, I'm, I've actually been thinking, uh, thinking I get around that because in my my students do use mobiles and stuff in class. So in face to face, we'll do the video recordings and do them that way and share them in class a little bit uh, uh, from it. But um, yeah, no, I missed it. Must be uh, really, uh, really hard. And I think also, if their students are wearing masks, then we probably need to think about um things um you know like um, in, implementing hand gestures and stuff like that, that yeah. so the students can i mean, I mean i've always I'm, i've always one that's um eschewed the idea of asking students to put their hands up or, or, or that with it but this idea of um i think i read it in i think it's from um, it was on one of the cambridge websites this idea of thumbs up or green cards red cards uh, yeah. with it and an idea that i think we've talked about before the the idea of using mini whiteboards as well is is a way around um yes whereas yeah. some community i mean it's not going to solve the pronunciation issues the uh, hurdles is it but no um it would it would it would help uh, do it, and I think you know it was on the Cambridge webinars. And Cambridge actually, to be fair to Cambridge, they've got a lot on uh, dealing with the new socially distanced classroom. Um, yeah. They um, they they suggest you know that the dialogues are actually done over whiteboards. So you write, I write, write down the dialogue on the on the whiteboard and hold it up, and then you know, how are you today, Lindsay? And on your whiteboard, you write the answer and hold it up. Um, right, not okay. so much of a pronunciation exercise, but it does. It is one way around that. And I do think some um, some classroom games still work. I think hot seat works. I never really think about this. When you know you the old hot seat, back to the board kind of. Oh, like, the back to the board thing. What? Yeah. Okay, because I remember it's back to the board. Why don't you just quickly gloss it for our listeners? Because so that would be one student with uh with the way I would play it, with the student sat on a on a chair in the facing the class at the front yes. of the room with the board and behind you write them. A, you write a word or you display yeah. a word or a picture behind them, and everyone else has to get them to guess. Yeah. Or maybe one at a time, not everyone shouting at the same time. Well, but. presumably there's social distance anyway, because you could you would have oh, different true. seats and space out. I mean the classrooms themselves are social distance from the start, isn't it? So there should yeah. be that uh there should be that safe space to to for the student to utter something. But that way you can you can still, you know, it, it's kind of not all doom and gloom. Some of my favorite that you know, that was one of my favorite and first learnt games i think also the stand up sit down games do you ever play those you know yes where, that's right yeah if it's true for you stand up or yeah, uh, sit that, down that kind of idea would, yeah. would 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 still work uh in the classroom so i think you know that i think and probably I think, to be honest if we're being honest about it maybe if you're taking worldwide the amount of uh, english teaching going on there might not be that like losing the find someone who maybe not everyone was doing it anyway. No, that's true. That's true. <laughs> uh, uh, but yeah, because it's, it's one of those activities I've always thought everybody in the world knows this kind of activity. Yeah. But I've but I've never felt to be surprised when I've gone to kind of kind of local language conferences and somebody yeah. says, "Oh, you could do find someone who," and the teacher goes, "That's amazing." Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Indeed. But right, shall we, shall we uh, break? Let's take another little break. We'll be back. In a moment. Hi, producer James here with a quick message to say thank you for listening to the podcast. This show is available on all podcast players, including Apple Music, Spotify, and now on Amazon Music. Make sure you subscribe to get the latest episode. Right, so we're back again. I did bring another thing that I wanted to talk about on the podcast if we're talking about normal, and that's the whole idea of like what is 
normal? What is average? What what does normal mean? Um, and did we do that I, in the first part. We did, but I bringing it back to the whole thing of like an average. Um, and I, as being a course book writer, um, I Are once you? did. Gosh, I, I, I am. I am. Yeah, LindsayKleinfield.com. Um, and I. Uh, <laughs> When uh, I did a text once, which I always was interested in, which was, was the, the concept, and I'm going to give it a little test to you, Sean, because I've got you Ooh. here, um, the concept of what is normal or what is average. Because in the 19th century, there were lots of, there was apparently quite a bit of like um, curiosity about trying to find the perfectly average person. So mathematicians and statisticians, the, the field of statistics, uh, was getting interested in it. And there's a guy called Adolphe Quetelet, or Quetelet, uh, who created uh, a term called l'homme moyen, the average man in 1835. And the average man, uh, excuse me, it was a sexist term, obviously, at the time, but let's say average man, average person, was supposed to be the exact average height of all the people of a country, exact average weight, exact average lifespan, exact average chance of being a criminal, exact average number of children. And so there was a, a quest to kind of like seek out this average exact average person and in, in in a way the statisticians viewed that person as the ideal and everybody who deviated that was not normal that was like the ideal but it never really existed however it hasn't stopped statisticians from trying to constantly find what is you know you always get that like we're always going over what's like what's a normal salary for a teacher what's a normal lifespan in this country what's a normal price for this and that and um in the uk they've done various studies on what is average uk man so this is one from the mid 2000s um right. and i wanted to read to you average uk man and you just say if if you how much you conform to this average uk man all right sean Ready? Okay. So, so yeah, I will read you the sentences. These are from the mid-2000s, right? This is before the 2010s, so we're off a bit. I couldn't find anything more recent. But this is, um, and you tell me if how average you are, okay? Ready? Yes, average sir. UK man is 40 years old. Mm, so, not average. No. <laughs> he is married. Not married. Okay, he has between one and two children. Between one and four, between one and two, two <laughs> yes, yes, one, one or two children. Yes, yes, yes I do. Actually, one point eight. Yes. Okay, he has he has he owns twenty two pairs of socks. I, I, oh, I'm not sure. I, I, I would guess it probably is around that, but I okay. wouldn't know. He thinks he is a good driver. I can't drive. Okay, <laughs> you're very not average. He has three or more televisions in his house. Now we have one. He has eight to fourteen good friends. Mm, I would say no. He sleeps seven hours a night. Oh, definitely not. He drinks three cups of tea a day. Don't like tea. He does less than thirty minutes exercise a week. Week? No, no. I do about an hour a day. He takes one foreign holiday per year. I, in the old norm, yes. <laughs> okay. He works more than forty hours a week. Probably. Okay. Uh, he has more than 80 contacts on his mobile phone. Uh, hang on. Uh, oh, actually, I do. Yes. He can cook at least four meals. 
<laughs> yes. <laughs> so of all the things there of average UK men, you are definitely not average. You are not what Adolf Quintillet would have said, an ideal, the ideal average one. You're far off. So it's kind of just thinking about how loaded that is, that phrase is, you're not I, not the ideal, you're not normal. That's quite, I, I it's know, quite it is, It's pretty it's, weird, isn't it? I, yeah. I, so it's interesting that they kept going for it. This was a, this was a quest. It was, in a, it was in a British newspaper, like what is the perfect average man? And I think it was just done for... Um, for uh oh sorry there was also he has read at least one harry potter book i've got them all on the shelf behind me yes (laughs) yes and i think there was another one he he owns queen's greatest hits uh i don't i used to (laughs) in a previous life but i don't now but I don't own but, a lot but of But it is interesting, now. isn't it? That sort of like it, the like looking at what is the average, what is the normal. And I think that's also something that's quite different now. I mean, I remember I wanted, I did that in the course book so for people to kind of critically tackle that. Because even just talking to you, you're not that sort of, like you, you don't conform to a lot of it. It was interesting that that is, that, I mean, what I found interesting, apart from um, just the, the, as I said, the, the, uh, the effect that, not being normal was having on me as I was saying that for some reason I don't I don't mean I would never describe myself normal anyway as normal anyway but I just kind of it was just suddenly felt very negative about myself then Um, yes well I think it's an interesting thing as well because this whole normal thing gets wrapped up with so many other things of identity exactly what is normal and uh sexuality and um all kinds of things I mean and the and and so it's interesting to sort of that idea of where the origins of what is normal, what is average, and whether or not that's an ideal or whether it's something that we should even be looking at. Um, because it runs counter, of course, to anything where you want to be trying to celebrate diversity. You'd want to, unless you want to put that idea out there precisely as we did to crit, crit, critically interact with to it. But yeah, it's quite interesting. I, would, I don't know many people that would kind of fall into that, into what you just defined as norm, in the normal person, no. to be honest. No, um, I don't think it's an, a, a thing that people would even do. It's one question you could ask: Is do you think this kind of exercise is worthwhile at all? I yeah, well, I, I, is it when did when did you write that exercise? How long? Two, ago? That, well, this was two thousand and four. Yeah, it's a good, but it's interesting. Long it's, enough to have known better, but I did make it as a people had to criticize the idea of going. No, sorry, I wasn't coming from a critical <laughs> angle with it. I, I that's think it was, right. I know, but it's, that's quite a long time um, since it was written, and it's probably indicative of actually how much the world has changed from a more diverse place or openly that's diverse true. place over the last decade uh, oh, for it, which indeed, I think is why yes. it sits less well with me than it might have done in 2004 or five. Um, but interesting diversity there's a new episode that we could look at anyway i'm excited by this because the last little bit can we bring in a new dropping oh well, let's do our last thing part of our new normal here at the tuffle commute uh will be another section that we're proud to announce right now sean let's do it go welcome to the algorithm the algorithm brings you the best in example language sentences found on the web and language learning apps. Each is tailored and randomized, especially for you. Today's sentence is... My television is in my lion. My television is in my lion. 
Uh, there we go. All right. Let's hope that maybe that's going to become a classic. It will become a classic, or it will just become normal, or will it become something that we. Oh, the new normal, or could be like bring back the angels. Um, exactly. Right. Are we? Are we? Are we? Have we done our first episode? I think we've done our first episode. Wow. Um, there we go. Thank you to everybody for listening. Uh, I think it's been mentioned before on the show, but to find us, uh, you can find us at all the places. Uh, we're on Facebook the at places. the Zeppel Commute. We're on YouTube. We are on all the podcasting places where you're listening to this. We're now also on, Sean, you said we're on Amazon well, now yeah, well. We are now available via Amazon Prime. So if you okay, do have so that, you can find us on Amazon you Prime. You can find us there. And we're on Instagram at uh, uh, Tuffle Commute Pod. I well remembered. I'm so impressed. Like James will be will be happy. Uh, we're always happy to hear from our listeners, so you can drop us a line at any of those places or find us at our website, teflcommute.com. Um, I have been Lindsay Clanfield during this episode. Have so, you really? Uh, and, and next episode you will be whom? <laughs> I will be I will be the same. Okay. Well, is that normal? It is. Okay, and I've been Sean Wilden. Thank you for listening. See you next okay. time. Bye. As your commute is coming to an end, here is an activity you can take into your socially distanced classroom. The Cambridge blog we referred to in the podcast mentions the activity snowballs. If you've never done snowballs before, you need some paper for each student. The basic concept is that each student writes something dependent on the prompt you give. Then each person screws up their paper into a ball. Now give the students 10 seconds to throw the balls around the room and when the time is up, they should take the ball that is nearest to them, open it and respond to the prompt. For example, you could use it as an icebreaker and the prompt could be a question that the receiver has to answer. Or it could be a topic related to your lesson, for example, favourite food, and then they write on that um, elements of food and share it around the class. It could even be a review of a lesson where you ask the students to write down what they've learnt throw the paper around, the person opens the paper and reads out what people have learned. Or it could even be a way for students to collaboratively, collaboratively write a story. The first student writes the first line, throws the snowball around, the next student the next line, and so on. You've been listening to The Tefl Commute, an original podcast by Lindsay Clansfield, Sean Wilden and James Taylor. Visit us at tefelcommute.com. rough and ready but i think it was okay